Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Today, I want to focus a bit more on the genre of, of the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel has two different writing styles in it. One is narrative, and the second is apocalyptic literature. One is what? Narrative. The second is what? Apocalyptic literature. So, the first six chapters of the book of Daniel is in a narrative form. Read it the way you saw it because of the style of writing. It's a narrative. The writer was even careful in some parts. He said as they were putting them in the fire, the people who put them were consumed. That was emphatic of trying to help you see that this was a true furnace. This must influence how you read it. Now, the last six chapters are apocalyptic literature. They are visions. Another place where you get apocalyptic literature is revelations. It's a vision. Meaning that it can mean, it's not a chronological um, record of events. It can mean different things. Are you getting this? So that would also affect our style of reading it. And this is how we must go about studying the books of the Old Testament, understanding the nature and the style of writing. Please, is this clear, everybody? All right, great. And so there are characteristics of Old Testament narrative that you must learn. And one major characteristic of Old Testament narrative is that usually the authors are intending to show you the error of mankind and the intervention of God. How man related with God and how God is ultimately the hero. And that's why I told you before that you don't go to the Old Testament narratives looking to learn morals. Because they were not actually trying to tell you morals, they were trying to show you shortcoming. <laughs> Are you getting this? Many of them at least were trying to show you shortcomings. So, Moses is not your role model, please. Because he killed somebody. And you see, the Bible is not trying to tell you if killing somebody was good or bad. Are you learning something? David was not supposed to be a role model to you. He slept with another man's wife. Are you getting this? So, your approach to studying the books must be based on the style of writing. So why was Moses writing? Moses was writing to future generations of Israel to see their origin in rebellion. Three things I taught you. Number one is autonomy. Number two, rebellion. Number three is what? Exile. And I mentioned a fourth one in passing. The grace of God. So. We begin to see the pattern of the style of writing. Number one, man gives God, God gives man autonomy. Man rebels against God. God sends man to exile. And then God's grace is still there for man in exile. That's the pattern we begin to see, the style of writing in Old Testament narrative. You know, from, from Genesis, the same thing, autonomy. Man rebelled, Adam and Eve rebelled. Exile, God chases them out of the garden. But God's grace is there, beginning to give them the promise. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Teaching them how salvation will come. 
this is the same pattern even up until we get to Daniel. So Daniel's story is a story of the exilic period of Israel. Now the judgment of God is coming upon them because he said they should not worship any other God and they had kings who were worshipping other gods. So we must learn to read it in that way. Another thing you must learn about the book of Daniel is that it follows a couple of, of writings we call wisdom literature. Wisdom literature. And wisdom literature, you have books like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the goal of wisdom, remember Ecclesiastes says vanity upon vanity, everything is vanity. He looked at the world and he said everything is vanity. But he also said that the way that we must learn to live, and that's what Proverbs is teaching you, that's what Ecclesiastes is teaching you. Actually, that's what Job is also teaching you. Even though Job is a bit of a narrative as well, are you getting this? But you now begin to see that Israel's narrative is being accompanied by Israel's wisdom. They begin to teach you stories about their experience, but they begin to teach you the wisdom side of it, what to learn. Are you getting this? So, open to Psalms 111 verse 10. The Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the writer of Proverbs is telling you, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all day that do his command. His praise endureth forever. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the, is the instruction of wisdom. Ah, this is powerful. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of That is a wise man. Is a man that feareth the Lord. Are you seeing what they are teaching you? A wise man. So, the way to live life, because the writer of Ecclesiastes has said, vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. The world is vain, but the way to live the world wisely is to live with the fear of the Lord. That's what the book of Job was also teaching you. Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before all more is humility. Now look at how the book of Ecclesiastes ends. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. This is how the whole book ends. The author is coming to a conclusion now. And he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Did you hear that? Fear God and keep his... So, they are teaching you now from all they've experienced that there is nothing to life if you don't fear God. And the way to live wisely is to live with God as your... You see God as the hero now. Are you seeing what I'm saying? You see God as the hero. God as the hero. The book of Daniel also shows us this wisdom exemplified. We see Daniel and his friends living with this same wisdom. And there's wisdom we can get to apply in our lives every day. And so we've discussed the book of Daniel so far. And we're in Daniel chapter 2. And remember I told you from Daniel chapter 2 verse 3, the writing changed from Hebrew to what? why you know theologians believe that the reason why there was a change in the language is because Aramaic was a more common language that everyone could understand 
and it is because the things that are written therein they want everybody to be able to understand it are you getting this they want everybody to be able to understand it so when did we stop kingdom kingdom Kadnezer had a dream right and he asked for the meaning of his dream he asked that what is the dream and what is the meaning his wise men could not interpret it so he orders for all the wise men to be killed and that included daniel and his friends and so daniel requested time from the king to hear from the Lord. And then Daniel called his friends and said, Let's inquire of God about this dream. So God will have mercy. And now Daniel was sleeping, and God reveals the dream to him in a vision. Alright? And so they come to the king, and that's where we start. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 24. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 24. Alright, so I'm going to be reading. Alright, Kaife, I've seen your message. Alright, therefore Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Ariok quickly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known the king, who will make known to the king the interpretation. Now notice this. He introduces Daniel as one of the people in exile. Are you seeing this? You have to see the way you know the people describe people. He says, I have found one of the captives. In our says in verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. So you see the author. The author is not using the name Belteshazzar for him. The author is using what name? The name Daniel. It means that the author is writing from a, I wouldn't use the word Christian, but the perspective of a God-fearing person. And you see what I'm saying? Because the name Daniel is the Hebrew name. The name Belteshazzar is the name that, is, that, that has a meaning to idols. Are you seeing this? So you will come to see as you read that the Babylonians would refer to them through, you know, that name that they gave them. But the author would refer to them through their original Hebrew names. Are you getting this? So, now, verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. This is a powerful declaration. These are the people that trained Daniel and his friends. And you see what I'm saying? These are the people that the king puts Daniel and his friends in that school to train them. And the king believed that he was the source of Daniel's wisdom. Now Daniel is saying all of them cannot. Then Daniel says in 28, But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to the to king Nebuchadnezzar what would be in the latter days your dream and the vision in your head upon your bed where this this is powerful now because Daniel and his friends did not rebel they are creating an opportunity for God to be glorified in exile now they have an answer that no one, not even the astrologers and magicians have. And now they are declaring to the king 
Daniel says there is a God in the heaven who reveals secrets. Are you seeing this? There is a God. You have to learn another thing. Daniel attributes all the glory to Yahweh. He's not saying it's me that did it. He's saying there is a God. You see, a lot of us in this situation is to glorify yourself. You know, we do it. Normal. This is common with us. Word of knowledge. Huh? Word of knowledge. That's common. Me? Word. I flow in it. I swim in it. You know. <laughs> I play around the word of healing. Healing? No, no. This is small. But Daniel is giving God the glory. Are you learning something? He's giving God glory. He says there is a God. Now remember also that this is a writing in our mind. So now anyone who was reading it would have seen Daniel declaring a God who makes, who reveals the secrets. So in Daniel, you know, chapter 2, verse 29, the Bible says, As for you, Daniel rather, says, As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while you were in your bed about what will come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets have made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than any living person, but for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. So Daniel is saying it's not because I'm greater and better than anybody that I'm seeing this. It is because God wants to make this dream known to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's because God wants to show you what is to come. You see, Daniel is 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 is, is giving God the glory. He's almost saying that I reduce and God be glorified. He's almost saying that none of the glory is to me. And this is something we have to be cautious of. That ultimately everything we do brings glory to God. You have to, you have to make sure. We, we don't think about it enough. But you have to make sure that everything you do brings and gives glory to God. So he says... You king were watching and behold a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you. And storm was also. This image, this image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze. You watched while the stone was put out without hands and struck and Sorry, without hands, we struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and brought them in peace. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, and the silver, and the gold were crushed together and they became like sharp from the summer's threatening floor. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now, we will tell the interpretation of it to the king. So now finally, Daniel is revealing the dream to King, to king Nebuchadnezzar and he tells him first that this is not an ordinary dream. God is revealing it to you so you know what is to come. Hallelujah. God is revealing And this is something I also you know, want you to be able to think about. When you pray about things, know which one, ask the Lord which is an instruction which is about something which is to come. Amen. Listen, and I want to correct the notion. There is nothing. I don't know how to say this. 
some people because of this now because of Daniel and Joseph gather themselves and call themselves dream interpreters school of dreamers and seers um, association of dream workers you know you've seen it before have you? you've seen you've seen those things before have you? Daniel's and Joseph's the, the prophetic order of Daniel's and Joseph's you see Prophetic order of Daniel and Joseph. Those, please and please, God can give anybody dream. And if you pray, God can reveal it to you. If He does not reveal it to you, He can reveal it to somebody who will have clarity. If God does not want you to know it, God will not give it to you. You, you are there crying. I cannot understand my dream. But Pharaoh too is dreaming. Are you getting what I'm saying? Potiphar's wife is dreaming. So please, if God wants you to understand your dream, you will understand. There's no prophetic order of Daniel and Joseph. Pray and you will get the interpretation. Pray and the Lord will tell you if it's something to come. And also, not every dream means something. You can do something the night before. And you see it in your dream. It's not every dream that has a deep prophetic meaning. Some dreams, they don't make any sense. But pray. Amen. Pray. If God says there's something to it, there's something to it. Don't now be scared. You want to go for a camp meeting. You had a dream now. In the dream, they were chasing you. You now say, ah, Pastor, I don't think I'm going for that camp meeting. I was being chased. In the area they were chasing me, they were speaking Yoruba, and you say that camp meeting is in Ogun State. Pastor, I don't think. <laughs> pray, pray. Unless God tells you, don't go for the camp meeting. And I, I doubt that he will tell you that. Unless God tells you that, then you can stay behind. Else, pray and go. Because the devil gives dreams too. <laughs> You'll be surprised. The devil gives dreams too. Your fear can also cause you to dream. You just finish watching Vampire Diaries. That they are chasing you in the dream. Biting your neck, you are saying that it's because you don't want to It's because you're going to come. Listen, them gives dreams too. So ask the Lord, Lord, what is it about? What are you saying to me? Listen, let me tell you something. If the Lord is showing you, it means there's something you can do about it. Do you understand? It means there's something you can do about it. So unless you think prayer does not work, as well, you will not pray. Pray about it. Pray about it. Hallelujah. So, please, drift our pretas. Anyways, Daniel is making the dream known to the king. He's telling him that this dream is about something which is to come. And God is not making it known to me because I'm different. It's because he wants you to know. And now you see the dream. This is the dream. The dream is about an image with a gold head. But as it goes down, the quality of the material that makes up that image is diminishing. Are you see what I'm saying? It's diminishing. And then finally, something comes and strikes it. And everything is destroyed like rubbles. And that thing that destroys it becomes a mountain that fills the whole world. So, in, in verse 34, the Bible says, You watch while the stone cuts out of his eye and struck the image on his feet and broke them in pieces. Then the iron 
The clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor. So, verse 36 says, this is the dream. I'll tell you the interpretation. You, O king, are a king of kings. You, you have to be careful when you study this to see. Nebuchadnezzar was actually called a king of kings. Because his kingdom was of great significance, like a world power. He was actually called king of kings. He had many vassal cities that they had conquered. So he was called king of kings. He says, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom. You see how Daniel is speaking? He says, you have it, but it's God that gave you. Are you serious? He's saying that if God did not allow it, you cannot have it. Remember the Bible says that God delivered Jehoiakim to the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Is If God did not want it to happen, the same thing that happened with Goliath will happen with Nebuchadnezzar. Somebody will just who is that uncircumcised Babylonian? <laughs> and you so he says all that you have is God that gave you. All that you have. It says that wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the fields and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and made you rule over them all. It says you are this head of gold, but after you shall rise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, the king, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clear and partly of iron. The kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it. Just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, and as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. Oh, sorry, I'm repeating the same thing. As you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, as the interpretation is sure. There's another vision which will come later in the book that is very parallel to this one, and I'll explain when we get there. But now, Daniel says, You are the head. You've got all the power. You've got everything. And one of the things you begin to learn here is this is one of the origin of the kingdom theme in the Bible, which you will later understand. I don't have time to teach it today. But this is one of the origin of the kingdom themes in the Bible. How that God's idea of the kingdom was not what Israel requested when they requested a king from Saul. God wanted to be king. He wants to be king over every heart. His kingdom, he's coming, we're coming to a point of a theocracy where we have one God and one king. 
So kingship was not their solution. You remember that God's idea is to restore man. Kingship was not the solution to that restoration, to the order. The kings came and the kings failed. Are you seeing this? But there's a time the Bible is telling you. That's why when in, you see the Gospels use the phrase, the kingdom of God is at hand. You never hear that phrase used anywhere else but the Gospels. It was because when Jesus came, it was a declaration of this kingdom that they've been learning about that is coming. And they thought it was an earthly kingdom, a political kingdom. They did not know that God's idea is to get people saved and be king and lord in their heart. That's the kingdom of God. So when they say the kingdom of God is near, it's near you, it's nigh you. It's that the message of the gospel is close to you. All you need to do is accept it. Are you getting this? All you need to do is accept this. And so there are, there are two schools, popular schools of thought on the interpretation of this dream. There's a traditional meaning. Some say the head is the Babylonian kingdom. The silver kingdom is the Persian empire. The third kingdom is the bronze. That's the Greek empire that came later. And then the final kingdom is the Roman empire. It's another school of thought that says the gold head is the Babylonian kingdom. The silver is the Medes, the kingdom of the Medes. The bronze is the Persian Empire. And then you see the, the clay and the iron describes, you know, if you know the history of Alexander the Great and the division that happened in this time, they say, oh, that's that's the that, that's the, the um you know the kingdom, the last kingdom. But like I said last week, I said something last week that you should observe and pay attention to. A lot of people, when they come to this book, obsess over the meaning of the dream. Which I'll still clarify, but a lot of people miss the point. Have you, have you noticed that people obsess over the meaning of the dream? Have you ever seen those YouTube videos that are trying to claim a connection between modern European countries and the Daniel dream and Babylon? They say, America is a descendant of Babylon, blah, blah, blah. Have you, have you seen all those videos? You know, people are just obsessing over the wrong things. Obsessing over the wrong things. Amen. And yes, people are trying to interpret the dream. And it's not too far-fetched because many of the times in the dreams you will see the interpretation in real life. But that's not still the point of what God is telling Nebuchadnezzar. You can get what kingdom is talking about, but you will miss the point if you are not careful. The point of what God is telling Nebuchadnezzar is that in the world, there will be one world power after the other. There will be kingdoms after another until that final kingdom. So, listen, what is absolutely clear is that there's going to be a succession of human kingdoms. It may be five kingdoms, it may be ten kingdoms, it may be a hundred kingdoms. But the final goal is that there's going to be one kingdom that will come, that would wipe out all the kingdoms of this world, and that kingdom would remain forever. That, that's the point. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the point. Let the second kingdom be the Yoruba kingdom. Let the third be in Hulu. It really doesn't matter. What the prophecy is saying is that there will be many evil kingdoms 
one succession after the other until a final divine intervention that will put an end to evil kingdoms in the world. And that kingdom would last forever. This is this clear. That's how you understand the text. Not uh, Iraq now is this one. Rome is this one. The, uh, you know? I don't know. All you have to learn, successions will happen. Evil kingdoms will happen. Even till now, there's evil kingdom. So, either you think it has happened, or you think it will still happen, there shall be evil kingdom. Until there is a final divine intervention. So what's the outcome of all of this? In Daniel chapter 2 verse 46. In Daniel 2 verse 46, the Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face. This is the picture that the book of Daniel is helping you see. The kings of kings is bowing down before the true king of kings. Ah! This should get you excited. This is the goal. The king of kings is not even who the true king is. Then he bows on his face and prostrates before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered and said, Now you will see why it's important that this is written in Aramaic. Because Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, the one whose kingdom spans across the earth, he says, Truly, your God is the God of gods. Your God is the God of God. I'm not the only people who speak Hebrew could understand this. Everyone who could speak Aramaic, which was a more common language, when they read this, can see Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Listen, this should bring to your mind. You know, recently, Thames put a tweet. How many of you saw that tweet? Thames put a tweet and she put um, that something talks about Jesus as your personal savior. Who saw that tweet? Anyways, she put the tweet, it was on Twitter, and it was the gospel. Just before that, I can't remember who it was. I think it was this guy who died. I think it was this guy who died. No bad. In one of his tweets, he puts, Do you believe in God for your salvation? Listen, many times we don't understand what happens, but it has precedence in scriptures. People who might not be fully submitted to your faith can acknowledge your God in a way that brings, because God humbles them so much that it brings some form of reverence and relevance that no other thing you do might be able to, to, to reach that much people. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, people are arguing, eh, you know, why is this musician saying he believes in God and he's doing this? Listen, if you read the story of Zerubbabel well, you begin to understand how God can use specific people in seemingly com compromising situations where they themselves don't get compromised, but they can stand for the truth of Jesus Christ. I you get what I'm saying? That's the story of Zerubbabel. So don't be quick to judge. Don't be quick to judge. Just follow your Jesus and you save your Jesus. Because it's Jesus that will judge everybody in the end. Hey, I'm telling you something. That's not to say that Nebuchadnezzar is a believer. No. He's still polytheist. But he, he, he says that Daniel, truly your God, is God of gods. Lord of kings. I, so, Daniel called Nebuchadnezzar king of kings. Nebuchadnezzar calls God lord of kings. Are you seeing this? Listen, 
Don't think you know how to write uh, literature. Read Old Testament as crazy scripting. <laughs> crazy scripting like this. Sweet poetry. When you are reading Job, you see the way he was talking to God. He said, ah, which kind of word for all play with this one? The writers were very careful. So, Nebuchadnezzar says, Lord of kings, a revealer of secrets. Since you could reveal this secret, then the king promoted Daniel, gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the province of Babylon, and the chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. So listen, either you like it or not, now Daniel and his friends did not compromise. First of all, they did not rebel. They stayed to allow God to be glorified. They allowed them Nebuchadnezzar to do what? You have to be careful. Some of you, first problem, you already shouted. Sometimes, wait for what God wants to do. Wait. Be patient for what God wants to do. You learn things like this from people like Apostle Paul. He is, go- he is going into Jerusalem. Adapon said they will bind your hands like this belt is tied on my hand. Some of you say, ah, I'm not going. Mm-mm. You have to hear what the Lord is saying. The fact that the Lord said they will beat you in your dream if you go there does not mean the Lord is saying don't go there. You, that's why interpretation is important. To interpret as you have a book, yellow means stay, green means you will be surprised. That that's not how God works. If you see cockroach in your dream, it means this. If you see frog, it means slow. If you see tortoise, it means slow. If you see cheetah, it means fast. You have not seen turtle that is fast. <laughs> you will be surprised. All those books, it does not work. What if God is trying to say that you will be strong because the tortoise's back is strong? You don't know. You are here saying because you saw tortoise in the slow. You want to marry now. The guy was only tortoise. He say, ah, I'm not doing it. Ah, why did you hold that animal? No, you should have chosen cheetah. You don't need a cheetah, my mean you will devour you. <laughs> Please be careful. Be careful. Wait for what God wants to do in your life. So, Paul is going and he said, I will, They will bind your leg if you go up there. Guess what? Paul went there. That led to him dying, but he got the opportunity to preach in three courts before plenty people. He knew that that was what God wanted him to do, even if it meant that he would be chained. Daniel and his friends knew that God will find an opportunity to be glorified here. We will give him an opportunity, so we will wait. We will stay. We will stay. We will be patient. Would endure it. Some of you, you want to jack back, but your local church needs you to go for cell group in that your city, and there's no money in Nigeria. I know, but all of you cannot start Catalyst Church UK, all of you cannot start Catalyst Church Canada, all of you cannot start Catalyst Church Finland. So, what might be important for God at the time is if God did not say you should go, stay and endure. You would see that where people are suffering and saying Nigeria is bad, you'll be flourishing. You'll be flourishing. You'll be flourishing. So you have to learn. Find opportunities. God wants you in your family to change their heart. But no. You carry your back. You say persecuted for Christ. You run away from home. You, they say you should watch me to say you are persecuted for Christ. 
of you to to learn humility and wash the plate. You say me, self group leader, pastor in the making. <laughs> Mommy, you don't respect the grace of God in my life. Some of you, your parents have started listening to you teach them. They started listening to you teach them. You have started doing fellowship in your house. Now your daddy just say, ah, daddy, I need you to wash my car. Now you be talking to your ministry gifts like that. Ha! To your daddy. <laughs> to your daddy, because now your daddy is listening to you. You are teaching your daddy small, small understanding the gospel. Now no respect. And you don't know that what God wants to do is that true. Listen, I stayed in my parents' church until when the Lord told me leave. I endured it. I don't think it was that easy as I'm saying it. You know, I really wanted to go. If I had the opportunity, I'd have gone. But I knew that when I left, I had a full confirmation in my heart. So I was ready to face my dad and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing it again. My dad said, let's do two there, two here, two Sundays there, two Sundays here. I did not do any two here. All my Sundays were there. And I, I felt like God spoke to him and he let me go because I think it was time. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, some of you, there might still be some witnessing to do where you are suffering. And wait, some of you that God has said you should go, that does not mean now you're not been saying, let me stay. You no, know, I'm saying, know what the Lord is saying to you. Know what the Lord is saying. They are not in now because some of them are already like, Pastor, I say I should stay. Know what the Lord is saying to you is what I'm saying. Know what the Lord is saying to you. It might not look like it, but don't. The Lord has called you for the nations. But grow, learn, stay. Let, let the things the Lord wants to build in you, let them come out. Stay, build. Now you are talking to your pastor. Your pastor is saying, ah, that's true. We have something for so you. He like, Pastor, I think the Lord is calling me to pioneer. Eh. They will never give you responsibility again. Are you? you want to pioneer? What are you doing here? Stop you to calm down and be learning and be growing. You say, Lord, Pastor, I, I see Zamfara. <laughs> I see the souls taking <laughs> I'm just teaching you learn to be patient learn to give God the opportunity to be glorified so in the sports and also that they petitioned the king and he said Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon and Daniel sat at the gate of the king and so at the end of chapter 2 we see Nebuchadnezzar seeing God as great He's still polytheist, that he's still serving many, many, many other gods, but he's acknowledging the God of Israel. So you are, you are as, as a pagan who is reading the book, they will be asking, who is this great God that the king like Nebuchadnezzar is worshipping, he's saying he's the greatest. The same is the case in Egypt. If you remember, it was God against the gods of Egypt, even though they were non-existential and powerless. It's the same here. God greater than all the gods of Babylon, even though they were non-existential. What I mean by that is that when you see these gods being mentioned, you don't see anything that expresses their power. They can't do anything in, 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 in the sense of it. Because God is the only true God. And for you reading, you are learning to see that you can flourish in exile. There's similarities between the book of Daniel and a book like Esther. 
Tidon Mordecai, his name was actually a name that gave glory to a false god. Are you getting this? That gave glory to a false It was actually the same god that was worshipped in Babylon. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, um, ultimately, you are learning that I can flourish. I can be promoted. That yes, I, I can grow in a toxic culture, but God can promote me. God can promote me. I once heard the story of a man. His name is Tommy Hicks. Tommy Hicks had just finished a crusade in, in, in Buenos Aires. And then God was set to make a name for himself through Tommy Hicks' life. And so Tommy Hicks goes to Argentina to replace another evangelist who was unable to fulfill his commitment to full gospel meetings. And so Hicks then suggests that, you know what? He tells the local church committee, he says, can we get a place that can take 25,000 people? Let's do a big meeting. They said, ah, Tommy Hicks, you are, you are pushing too far. Your dreams are too far. He says, put it out there, put it on the radio. I get what I'm saying. Put it everywhere. Let's hold a big meeting. They said, ah, this is too far. It looks impossible. If I'm not going to get it, the only place that can take up to 25,000 people is the stadium. And if we are going to you know, do it, we are going to have to talk to Joan Perron. Who is Perron? Perron was the president at the time. He was the dictator president. I get what I'm saying. So you know Kim Jong-un, that's how Perron was. He was the dictator president. He said, you have to talk to Perron. Dominic said, okay, tomorrow, set a meeting with Perron. I'm going to talk to Perron. They said, you don't go see Perron like that. You don't, unless he wants to see you. So, he went to the place. Then he met an armed guard. And interrogated him. He said, ah, what are you looking for? He said, I'm here. I want to hold the salvation healing campaign in the city. The guard said, ah, healing campaign. Does God truly heal? Tommy said, yes, God heals. He said, do you have anything I want you, to, you want me to pray for for you? The guy told him. Tommy laid hands on him. Instantly, the guy got healed. Instantly, his requests were answered. His prayer, his prayer requests were answered. And then the next day, he said, I, I think what happened to him was that he had pain and sickness in his body. And instantly, the power of God was in the room and he was healed. He said, come back tomorrow and we get you to see the president. Listen, when I heard this story, I had to go and research it. I had to go and read about it. Is it true? And then I saw it. So the next day, the guy brought Tommy Hicks to the president. He said, this guy needs to see you. Guess what? The president met Tommy Hicks and Tommy Hicks said, actually, I heard that Peron, Tommy Hicks spent time praying and the only thing he heard in his place of prayer is the name Peron. All he heard him. He did not say, what is Peron? What is Peron? When he asked, he said, the name of the president is Peron. He said, eh, okay, let's go. He got there and he saw the president. And he said, I want to pray for you. You have a skin condition. Listen, the president had stopped taking pictures because he did not want people to know that he had a skin condition that was deforming him. Now, Tony got there. I said, I want to pray for you. He said, how did you know? And he prayed for him and his body became clean as a baby's skin. Instantly. Peron said, everything you need for this campaign, I'm going to give you. Including the security, including everything you need. He had the crusade. It's, listen, Tommy's ministry was prevalent here because the next time he came, they wanted to kill Tommy Hicks. The president gave him bodyguard. He gave him special forces people to protect him. I, I hear what I'm saying. He gave him people to protect him. I'm telling you that you would not only survive in exile, you can flourish. 
you can flourish. That's what I'm teaching you. You can flourish. Can you have unwavering faith today? Can you? Can you have unwavering faith that even in the face of present trouble, you would flourish? Well, we come to Daniel chapter 3. And there's another narrative that we all probably know. And this story illustrates the theme again. In spite of present situation, God is in control. You will not only survive, you will thrive. You would flourish. Amen. You would flourish. Anyways, there's some history here that's not in the book of Daniel. Last place we stopped was Nebuchadnezzar besieging Judah. Alright? And taking them captive. So now, Judah, which is a southern kingdom, has become a vassal city, a vassal nation. Well, now, one of the things we begin to see about Daniel chapter 3, you know what, let me just get the history part of it before I go into Daniel chapter 3 fully. Jehoiakim, king, who was a vassal, you know, king under the Nebuchadnezzar, decided to rebel. And this happens when any vassal city smells any weakness in the bigger city. He decides to rebel. And so because he rebelled, Nebuchadnezzar took his army and started a 1,000 mile march to Jerusalem. And then they went and by the time they got there, Jehoiakim is no longer on the throne. His son, Jehoiachin, is the one that is on the throne, only 18 or 19 years of age. And so Babylon destroys finally the king, the, the, the city, they take over and then they capture their current king. And then he is replaced by his uncle Zedekiah. Now, many people were taken to Babylon. Part of the people you will remember that were taken to Babylon is Ezekiel. So Ezekiel's preaching was from Babylon because he was taken captive to Babylon. Alright, this is history. Don't get bored. So, Zedekiah again rebels against Nebuchadnezzar. Now Nebuchadnezzar is angry and he just defeats Jerusalem totally. Kills all Zedekiah's children and gorges his eyes out. Now, this was it for, for Nebuchadnezzar. He was so angry. And so the temple in Jerusalem is destroyed. Some of the people are taken to Babylon, but some remained there. Alright? And then there was a governor that was set to still watch them. Now, these things are not in the book of Daniel, but you learn in history. So, when Daniel chapter 3 begins, in 2 you saw God's wisdom. In 3 you're going to see God's power. In Daniel chapter 3, Bible says Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was the king made an image of gold. Now, Historians say that this was about 18 years after chapter 2. Now, he made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates and all the officials of the provinces to come see the dedication of the image with the Nebuchadnezzar set up. Alright, so we have this 90 foot tall image. Now, an average man is what? 5'5, five, five, 6 foot thereabouts, right? This is a 90 foot tall image. That's what we're seeing. It's a really huge statue. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us how exactly it looked. Some people think it was an image of himself, but I think it would have been such a weird image. But the Bible never told us it was an image of him, but the Bible told us it was made of gold. So you have this tall image that everyone can see. And I think it doesn't even matter what it was. 
ultimately said everyone should come. And so he begins to mention all the people that should come. And you see, this is what narrative does. There's a reason why he mentioned all the people individually. He go again in verse 3. He says, So the satrap. Now he's mentioning the same people again. Bro, you just mentioned it. He says, So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the councillors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates. And all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And a herald cried out, So you have commanded all people, nations and languages, that at the time you hear, now you see another repetition. It says, At the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that the king had set up. And whosoever does not fall, does not fall down shall. Father shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So at the time when all the people heard the sounds of the you see repetition again, the horn, the flute, the lyre, the symphony, and all kinds of music, people of all nations and languages fell down and worshipped the image. So theologians believe that the reason for that repetition, first of all, of all these people is to show you in, in, in that way that there was conformity by everyone. Are you seeing this? And the repetition in the music style was to tell you the grandiose of the event. Are you seeing this? So there was that repetition to help you see the emphasis that the person is doing. So you begin to see that they will come. But listen, as it is repeated, you are getting to see that every other person is doing it. Before he then tells you that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did not do it. So, this story does not include Daniel. This one now is about the friends, the three friends. But they are repeating all the people that are doing. Are you seeing this? The satraps is telling you all the high people, everyone is doing it. Listen, there will be things like this in your life that every other person is doing does not make it right. Am I teaching? That every other person is doing it does not make it right. Are you getting this? Listen, I want to digress a bit. You see, since the beginning of time until maybe 2010, nobody ever wanted to pick the agenda. Do you get what I'm saying? Nobody cared. We'll do gender review, we'll do gender review. No, nobody cared. Even up until, up until, I think 2010, that's when it became very, around that period, became a major thing. Are you getting this? Listen, but there were exceptions. People that had hormonal issues. Are you getting what I'm saying? People that were born with two different, you know, genders. But it was an exception. It was an anomaly. And the exception proves the point. Are you getting this? It proves the point. Because something that was an exception before was then maximized. And it now became the thing. Can I tell you the outcome in 2023 that we're in? The outcome in 2023 is that if you are told a lie long enough, you can get people to be comfortable with it and you can get people to believe and support a lie. Did you hear what I said? If So, you are hearing all these traps, all these people. So now, if you come to Babylon maybe three years later, because it has been done over and over again, Anybody that comes just believes that this is the norm. I'm using this analogy because bowing to a golden statue might not be your typical golden statue. 
It might be submitting to systems that are anti your faith. So because everybody is doing it, does not make it right. Are you getting this? Does make it right. And I'm telling you that if you're told a lie enough, you believe it. You believe it. They will say it is scientifically proven. Where? Where? Have you noticed that anybody that has common sense can disprove their logic? Have you noticed? Common sense. Anybody that has common sense can disprove their logic. You are fighting against a portion. He says it's your, it's your body, this or that one, that the child is not alive. It is common sense. Mr. Niger, did you not go to school? Common sense helps you know that the child is alive. Do you know that if you don't even have education and they give birth to you, and you see 10 people with a penis, and 10 people with a female reproductive organ, you know that they are different. This is common sense. So you get what I'm saying. Why the lion does not have business for this, or the goat. You have you have the reproductive organ behave like it. Listen, even scientifically, you have the is it not in school they taught us XX and XY? You have XX. You have XY. Now you are trying to convince me that the way I feel trumps science. But you are the one that taught me science. Are you seeing the problem? So if you are told a lie long enough. You begin to believe it. You begin to believe it. So, I, I watched a video today. A pregnant lady was teaching in school. She said, so, what do you have to say about the fact that your presence here is causing, you know, a lot of trans people to be victimized? Ladies like... <laughs> ladies like... Get a helmet. That's life. <laughs> because that's the truth. In the 80s, you go and tell somebody, I feel victimized by your presence here. <laughs> but the exceptions are not the things that we are maximizing beyond. Think about evolution. Evolution became a thing that they started to teach it in every school. Were you not taught evolution in school? If you are told a lie for a long time, you would believe it. So I sat down in my house and I said, Scientific method involves four processes we were taught. Observation, hypothesis, experiment, which is testing, and then conclusion. Right? That's what they taught us. Is that, is that what they taught you or not? That's what, that's what I was taught. So, why did we throw that logic in the bin when it came to evolution? Because now, when I ask you a question about why other monkeys have not become human, you say I can't live long enough to observe it. Then how did you observe it? So there's no observation. You just came up with a hypothesis. There's no testing. And then you have a conclusion. It means evolution is not scientific. But they've taught us long enough in schools to the point that it becomes the truth. So even in an exam, when they ask how the word you, you now write the evolution because if you are told a lie long enough you will believe it you will believe it are you getting this you will believe it and, and that's the point i want you to do something go on google and search superseded scientific theories 
You know, I was under someone's preaching and he told us to do this and it blew my mind. Do you know what superseded scientific theories are? Superseded scientific theories are scientific theories that the world accepted and was later thrown into the bin. There are many of them. Hundreds. There was a time the earth believed, according to science, that the surface of the earth is flat. Now, they believe that it's not flat, it's spherical. Many scientific theories have been thrown into the bin. Are you getting this? Many. They've been superseded. But the Bible is the same yesterday, today, forever. We are not changing our narrative. We, we don't care to change our narrative. Whatever we say, we believe there's a God. He lives in the heaven. <laughs> he created the world. That's how the world. If you like, say Big Bang, black hole theory, one hole. You know, that's what they are saying now. One hole. Uh, what's that black thing that they are talking? They are just saying different. Whatever. Okay. But there is a God. He lives in the heavens. Even if there is a Big Bang. The law of the world says we can't have an infinite past. Something must have caused the beginning to start. Amen. Something must have caused the beginning to start. So if you are told a lie for too long, you will believe it. You would. You would. Hallelujah. And so you, you, you have to think about it. I said all of that to tell you that you will believe it. And that's what the media does. You know, I watch soccer a lot. And if the media has an agenda, it does not matter. So listen, the media decided to gang up against my team. Do you know it does not matter? The media kept on saying Chelsea spent one billion. They don't have players. Over and over and over and over again. Where is FFP rule? FFP rule is financial fair play. Where is FFP rule? Over and over again. So because the media said it, everybody accepted Chelsea spending one billion. But when you check Chelsea's spending per year, Chelsea has one of the lowest. So what happened? They bought the, they bought players. They gave them long contracts so that their yearly spending is reduced. But the media kept on saying the same thing. I'm just teaching you what the media does. If they have an agenda against you, it doesn't matter the common sense that is there. Do you know? People began to get cancelled for wanting to say the truth. You are in a beauty pageant where beauty is defined by being slim, being able to speak being pretty looking actually and a guy that becomes a lady and is on a plus size is winning the beauty pageant why we want to support their beauty now <laughs> i see what i'm saying we're just making a fool of the system so now a guy is swimming in a female category and the guys is stopping and winning and the ladies cannot speak because if they speak they will be cancelled if they speak it's a human rights problem if you are told a lie for too long you begin to believe it so people that have true mental conditions now they are now coming out there's a teacher in canada in Toronto wearing prosthetic breasts as big as this i'm not joking with you like almost times five of a normal breast, prosthetic breast and she will not cover it I mean he will not cover it you just wait and you go to class to teach kindergarten students and no one can say anything to him because if we are told a lie too long we we'll begin to believe it 
we begin to believe it. No system right from wrong, we begin to believe it. What I'm saying is this. There will be things that will want you to bow. You must be sensitive to discern idolatry. You must be sensitive like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were to discerning that asking them to bow to that statue is idolatry. It's idolatry. And so they said, we are not going to bow. We're not. We're not going to bow. And you'll find yourself in similar situations a lot. But you must be able to say, we're not going to bow. Let's round up. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege of learning through your word. And thank you because we're receiving wisdom to be able to apply in our everyday life. That we would not conform to the lies of this world. We would not conform. We would not conform. We would stand without compromising with the truth of your word. I thank you, Holy Ghost. And I pray that everyone who has heard this word is able to apply it in every part of their lives. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Shall we?